Good morning, afternoon or evening, dear listener or listeners. I'm Darcy Moran. Sitting to my left is co-host and editorial genius, Kieran Stevenson. Hello, Kieran. Uh, hello. Thank you, uh, Darcy Moran. We um, are... See how I did that and wove it in? Oh, Jesus. Broadcasting delayed from Belmont Studios. Mm-hmm. This is Weakness for Bleakness. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs are the dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, and everyone their own damn spies, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, 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 no. <laughs> Alright, shall we get on to our stories? Stories, yes. Hang on, my the phone's... artist formerly known as Headlines. This is the first episode of Season 2, Darcy. This is, of course. Welcome to Season 2. Welcome to Season 2. Oh, gosh, it feels uh, it feels, it feels good to yeah. be recommissioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The letter came down from uh, head office. And boy. Whichever one of so our personalities grateful. we've put in charge of <laughs> gatekeeping uh, yeah. the others has You can tell that they're... You can tell that they're like a commissioning editor sort of person because <laughs> of the completely arbitrary distinction between <laughs> season one and season two. We haven't changed anything structural. We've changed a song at the very end at of every very episode. End. There we go. Yeah. And, and I didn't even know that. So that's yes. good. Yes. Uh, I got back in touch with our old friend, Leonardo's Robot, and I asked him to send me his most pessimistic work. Well, that would have taken a while for you to get through, I should think. Yes, yes, yes. So indeed. you've had no time to do any actual stories research because you've been listening to hours and hours and hours of. You just sent me everything. Tragic indie. No, no, no. Folk drama. He 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 selected and he selected well. Oh, good. I think I was I didn't have to go back and forth at all. Well, I'm glad. I, I look forward to discovering in 48 hours what the work of this tortured genius. Has produced uh, has produced for season two. Don't validate him. <laughs> He's just a sook. <laughs> should we get onto stories? I've heard he looks like a lesbian. Yes, we should get to stories. <laughs> uh, my first story uh, takes the form of a clip of audio, which we're going to listen to now. Are you ready? Bonza. Uh, so you may remember that Tony Abbott. Uh, I think it was four years ago now. Was it four years ago? Was captured on camera enjoying uh, a local Tasmanian brown onion. Oh, that's right. Uh, raw, uncooked, with uh, contrary what, to what he's about to tell you, with the papery outer skin definitely still on the onion. Uh, and everybody was rightfully like, what the fuck, Tony? What are you doing, you boob? You're supposed to be... <laughs> A world leader. as prime minister at the time, of course. Four or five He was just trying to ago. demonstrate that he wasn't a vampire. Uh, quite possibly, yes. Uh, but anyway, he went on the Bolt Report. And uh, if you know anything about Andrew Bolt, you know that he has a an embarrassing 
uh, love for Tony Abbott. Andrew Bolt is like Tony Abbott's mum. Whenever yeah. Tony's had a hard day at school, Andrew gives him a cuddle and tells him the other boys are just mean. A little bit You're like... You're the special one, Tony. That's definitely his, his primary mode, but he also has this, uh, like, unrequited crush best friend kind of deal, which we're going to see on full display in this audio clip. Oh, good. So this is Tony Abbott on the Bolt Report, the, justifying the why... The thought of these two gushing over each other doesn't nauseate me in the slightest. That's the other thing that like I'd like you to look out for. slugs fornicate. I'd like you to look out for two things, in addition to just the ridiculousness of the primary mm. material. One is, yes, Bolt's uh, weird love for Tony Abbott. Two is... he's a real journalist. Two is Tony Abbott's... Uh, manifest dis- uh, disdain for Andrew Bolt's fawning love for Tony Abbott. So let's take a listen. Because he's a Catholic. He only knows hatred. <laughs> Self-loathing. That's true. Well, I was at a Tasmanian farm. Hard open. The farmer, mm, understandably, yes. was incredibly proud of his produce. Of course. Um, all of us eat raw onion occasionally. Sal- yeah, salads. Salads are full of raw onion. You're quite right. My salads Greek salad. Salads are full of raw My Greek salad. Onion. This was an onion it's that uh, had lost all of its of its outer skin. It it had no, effectively been peeled. Tasty. And I thought the least I could do <laughs> for someone who is as proud of his product as this particular farmer was, was take a chomp and it was beautiful <laughs> so it wasn't that you uh, you know cycled 100 kilometers that morning you were absolutely oh. ravenous i, I oh. i've probably done something wasn't that morning whether i'd strong been and muscular frame bike, pushed through um, the gone for trials of hercules knows, that morning was it would have tony? done something because i here tried to exercise here, at the start are as red as a so fire you trying to tell me <laughs> that this is one of the things that i like about you was your eagerness to make the guy feel happy that you ate and the onion. And people who mocked you the don't onion. realize... The job of the Prime Minister, who is, if you like, the country's cheerleader-in-chief, amongst other things, you're not just yeah. a sort of CEO of Australia, Inc., you are was the cheerleader-in-chief, <laughs> It is to do what you can to show your appreciation for your fellow Australians. And mm. that's why mm, I'm quite. happy to have a few sips of this beautiful of Joe Adger whiskey. What a fucking shill. <laughs> so many good little bits Cheerleader there. Cheerleader-in-chief. Yeah, cheerleader-in-chief. You're that not only the CEO... the most repulsive image. Yeah, I'm sure right? you can imagine what I imagined as soon as those yep. words were... Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had to imagine it four or five times now in the process it's of getting that It's going to be a fortnight off it. wanking for me. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> well, he's doing God's work then. Uh, it gets so tense now. A few of my favourite pieces... Uh, there is my big fat Greek salad, just, ah, my Greek salad, (laughs) (laughs) which I guarantee didn't have brown onion in it. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, his weird little verbal trip when he says, eat the onion, he says, eat him the onion. (laughs) You can put uh, the, uh, onion on your hamburger. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Quite right. And, uh. Tell us what exercise you were doing that Salads morning, too. Full of onion. <laughs> yeah. You have a tiny bit of onion garnish, surely, in a salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some red onion. It's not like we could have potato salad, you could have Greek salad, you could have onion salad. The notorious onion salad. There are some contexts in which a little bit of raw white onion, you can have it on a burger. Yeah, white onion's not brown onion, though. White onions are sweet and mild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, uh, well, yeah, no, I'm not going to spend any more time trying to, trying to play the other side and justify <laughs> where you might eat raw onion. Uh, where you definitely don't do it is just biting into a whole raw onion with its skin on in front of a fucking television camera, Tony. <laughs> 
<laughs> because you wanted to show the farmer you were proud of him. Yeah. And at the time, the farmer was like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing, mate? <laughs> That's not what those are for. <laughs> yeah. We should get oh, him to visit man. the prickly pear farm near Echuca. <laughs> yeah. Or the fucking rat poison factory. That's it. That's the whole story. <laughs> That's Tony it. Abbott's Tony fucking... Abbott's still going on about the fucking onion, as opposed to just saying, look, I shouldn't have eaten the onion. It was a, yeah. it was a mistake. It was an improvisational nightmare. Yeah. You know, let's move on, please. Yeah. Whoops. No, Thank going, you not, to, still going on about not to bring this up, by the way, so-called ally Andrew Bolt. Yeah, this is what I wonder. Did uh, Tony Abbott say just before the interview, like, look, I've just come up with a pretty good response to the onion thing. I was wondering if you could bring it up. Or is Andrew <laughs> I Bolt... I finally thought of something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had the buffins on the case for the last four years. That's pretty much what it would have been. After four years, he came up yeah. with, I wanted to like, I want the farmer to like me. Yeah, yeah. Or did Andrew Bolt be like, I know what'll really show my uh, viewers the bold rhetorical genius of Tony Abbott is throwing him this softball about the onion. Oh my God. What a boob. I love it. I I won't. He's clearly making an angle for the fucking leadership position. Yeah, he is. It won't work. I, I won't, I won't, uh, I'll, I'll be happy to see Tony go and I won't miss him, but I do enjoy these little bits. The little bits. around He's much more monstrous somehow than... Or he's scarier, I think, than Scott Morrison. I don't think that he's functionally more monstrous. But I think Scott Morrison's more frightening because Scott Morrison's got this kind of non-functioning brain, right? Where yeah. he's just like this kind of dangerous... He's that ape ...oversized the child. Yeah. That, yeah. Will, that killer dog thinking he's playing with it. Mm. I find that sort of more scary than Tony's intentional wickedness yeah maybe it's hard to tell because both of them are (laughs) terrible people that's true they are it is kind of a question Mm. of which side of the coin but this is this is what we've been trained into by modern day electoral politics is immediately trying to identify the lesser of two evils if we're ever forced to choose is the glass half good or half bad yeah Fucking Barnaby stole all of the water from that glass generations ago. <laughs> fully empty. Trying What's- to sell the piss back to us in Franken credits. <laughs> um, yeah, What's so. your first story? My first story is about the Australian Mutual Partnership. Yay. That's Otherwise uh, known as AMP. This, is, uh, this comes to us from the ABC News people by good. Daniel Ziffer. Who is, of course, a business reporter? Yes. Have we had Daniel Ziffer's opinions on the show before? Don't think this is a this is a Ziffer first. A Ziffer first. Welcome to the fold, Ziffer. I tried to <laughs> halfway through. I tried to pivot to the word Daniel. <laughs> and that was evident. <laughs> Sorry, listener. <laughs> Individual AMP executives may face may face mm. criminal charges over the billion-dollar fees-for-no-service scandal, the company's lawyer has confirmed. Ah. Interesting that the company's lawyer has confirmed that, not like, I don't know, the Office of Public Prosecutions or anything. Yeah, yeah. The uh, ASIC is in the process of preparing cases against executives over the scandal. Mm. Uh, this is, of course, where they were essentially charging... It's described as charging fees without being provided a service. Yeah. It's an act of theft, is what that is. Yeah, it is. So they're, they're, they may be facing charges for the thieving that everyone knows that they did. Mm. This is a classic example of how, in Australia, 
it's not necessarily a case that might is right. Yeah. But it is always a case that might is differently and less wrong. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. 100%. We have a, a, a grotesque blind spot for power. We do. Which is uh, always kind of, well, not always. When I was a child, I, I believed lots of propaganda, but it didn't take long into the, the world of reading and thinking mm. to realise that this country that has pontificated endlessly about its support for the underdog and uh, despising yeah. of tall poppies has yeah. only ever been an obedient shill for whatever the dominant global power happens to yeah, yeah, yeah. be and constantly tries, as, uh, tries to, uh, to exterminate yes. uh, the weak from within its ranks. A hundred percent. It's the mode of operation. Or even the weak who are not from within its ranks, but... Uh, have had its ranks dropped over them. Yeah, yeah. It is absolutely astonishing. And that's not weak in a, in a pejorative sense, by the way. I simply mean weak to mean having yeah. fewer resources to marshal. Yes, yeah. Not, <laughs> not meaning it in any kind of moral sense. Morally, it's quite the inverse. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, you could call them the uh, the underdogs, if you, you could. Liked. You could call them the, the underdogs. The scrappy underdogs, the battlers. Just trying <laughs> to have a fair go on their own terms. So, we, but, but again, we have some potentially serious consequences for some of the 29 executives in question, mm-hmm. who are, of, of whom are all responsible for, for this. Yes. Not only civil, she noted, we are considering criminal proceedings from the regulator. He is fucking hoping. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazingly pathetic. This is a country where if you are... A poor or unemployed person, and you make a simple administrative error on a Centrelink application or repayment, you can be fined into bankruptcy and sent to debtor's prison, effectively. Yeah, yeah, 100%. There's a big uh, thing with parking fines in WA, I think, uh, where disproportionately... Aboriginal people are getting sent to prison, particularly Aboriginal women, for uh, for unpaid parking fines. Is there not a thing is... where Aboriginal people are being disproportionately sent to prison for everything in WA? They are, they are. Northern but, Territory. But, like, yeah, there's this specific uh, area which has been highlighted as grossly disproportionate. Ah. Uh, there's a couple of... Well, I mean, it makes sense, because what kind of psycho would send anybody to prison for a parking ticket infringement you would only do it if you were deranged and just wanted an excuse to lock somebody up yeah exactly exactly as Uh, if the police in wa is some sort of out of control white supremacist enclave within the government (laughs) yes yeah there's a free the people i think it's called there's a charity that that helps if you got five bucks listener that you want to chip in but uh yeah it's it's also not your responsibility it's the responsibility of the people in power to stop doing this shit and it, i'm not surprised that it would be any different with the with the uh royal commission well i'm i'm just pleased that they are actually thinking about doing it cuz there was no indication that was going to be the case i'm pleased but the banking royal commission hasn't uh, yielded any criminal charges despite the fact criminal activity has taken place is known mm. to have taken place by everyone in the country. Yeah, yeah. Even even the right wing press are having to come out and condemn the behaviour of the banks. Yeah, yeah. You went too far. You exposed yourself. Now you have to be disowned. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's it's totally in the style of a football fan screaming abuse at their team for not playing well enough. But it's yeah, it's still yeah. condemnation. <laughs> it is. 
it is still condemnation. It's uh, it's mafia behavior. It's where somebody fucks up and you, they have to go down. Um, but it's your turn, it's, Tony D. Nothing personal. It's uh, it's good that good that it's a possibility. I'm really, really skeptical that much will come out of it, and I have no faith that enough will come out of it. But yeah, send those fuckers to prison. I guess as long as we've got the monstrous prison system, let's. See, prison is an effective remedy for white-collar crime. This is the thing. Mm. For for criminal behavior that is literally uh, an act of unprompted immorality, mm. that's a rational choice made by somebody not in desperate circumstances, but who just is mm. uh, an, an immoral person, Yeah, then traditional corrective facilities can actually be effective. That's good to hear, because that uh, satisfies my desire for revenge without <laughs> compromising my stance on <laughs> prisons um yeah i think that will yeah. probably please many of the comrades to be honest <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting i hadn't heard that before uh i'll have to well because pres- because almost some- no crime is of that nature almost certainly almost all prosecuted crime is crime committed by desperate people with few resources. What we would call trad crime. Yeah, exactly right. And and usually in moments of mental instability. Yeah. Um, Whereas uh, there's actually extraordinarily few instances of white-collar criminals going to prison for white-collar crimes. But when when they do, the recidivism rate's very, very low because they tend to be sufficiently uh, traumatized by the experience and mm. be sufficiently new to trauma as a concept that they actually <laughs> don't want to go back. Yeah, yeah. I suppose also often that comes with, like, you can't really remove somebody from the app- apparatus of traditional violent crime stuff, but you can block people out of the apparatus of white-collar crime with some level of success. Yeah. Obviously, people get around it, <clears throat> and there are some... Uh, born con men who like to get back in the game as soon as they can. But... Oh, yeah. And sure, some of them get to prison and discover that <clears throat> real life, real crime is even better than white-collar crime. Yeah. And uh, a, a new monster is born from the monster factory. But yeah, it's yeah, st- still not perfect, but pr- conventional prisons are more effective in treating uh, what you might call genuine criminals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that any day. <laughs> anyway, that's all from AMP. Wonderful. Maybe they'll face criminal charges. <laughs> yeah, cool. Over, I hope they do. Over to you, Kieran. Wonderful. I want to talk about franking credits. Speaking thereof, uh, yes, good. I've got so these are two Liberal Party related stories uh, surrounding the franking credits thing. Of course, Labor campaigning on a position of ending uh, franking credit refunds. Uh, to retirees, well, they're en- ending cash refunds. So this is this is kind of complex. I've got some stuff on this. That's good. Maybe you you probably can do a better. <laughs> All I know is that it gets taxed by the company, and then the person, the individual, gets the tax refund. And also, when you look at the case studies, it's like correct. Jane has so, one hundred sixty thousand dollars a year and stands to lose also, her twelve thousand dollar <laughs> yeah, refund. It's like very- good. Very quickly, basically, how it works is if you get dividends from a company that has paid its full 30% marginal tax rate on mm-hmm. the profits from which that dividend is derived, then uh, in order that your 
dividend is not double taxed, the government say, all right, you can use this as a tax rebate. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can now Paul Keating brought this in in 1987, I think. A lot of countries have systems in place. They call it one tier tax, is the general term for it. That yeah. means things aren't taxed twice. <clears throat> so if your company pays only 27% of its marginal income tax, because maybe it made a loss last year, you don't get the franked credits. Sure. Um, John Howard, <laughs> you won't believe, by the way, that John Howard anything to do with this system getting out of control, <laughs> decided that you could use your franked uh, tax receipts yep. to get negative tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, which was never, ever a Keating plan uh, mm. or, or is applicable to any other tax rebate that I'm aware of. They can only yeah. ever get your taxable income down to zero. They cannot get it into the negatives. Yep. But Howard was like, nah, it's fine. You can get cash back from the government if your dividend has... Yeah. Not has been franked. Essentially, um, literally, how welfare payments, but just exclusively for wealthy people with investment. Yeah, it's essentially literally the treasury is going to top up your dividend. Yeah, which is uh, stupid. Yeah, quite. So, what Labor are talking about doing is simply reverting to a pre-Howard franking system, whereby sure. you can use it for a tax rebate, but you can't actually generate more money with it. Yeah, good. All right. So, <clears throat> obviously, the Liberal Party is against this, uh, and a bunch of extremely wealthy boomers have come out against it. Uh, and They there... won't even notice the difference. Yeah. Two, two stories particularly have come out of this that I want to talk about. One, the Defenders of Self-Funded Retirees, which is a... Uh, a little group that's speaking with a, out against... With a knack um, for snappy n- titles. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or the DSFR. <laughs> uh, so they've been creating anti-labor ads and uh, taking out Facebook advertising and stuff and running a big uh, advertising campaign against labor. Uh, and it turns out that they are at least partly directed by Robert Gunning, who is a Liberal Party candidate for uh, the Senate from the ACT. Uh, that little bit of naked uh, electoral advising, advertising law corruption mm. has been referred to the AAC. Good. And then the funnier of the two scandals is Tim Wilson. Oh, yeah. The yeah. reasonable <clears throat> one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the chairman, uh, current chairman for the Standing Committee of Economics, uh, who started up an inquiry, 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 I don't know, uh, into Labor's policy. Uh, I'm content with either. And I, I just ran it through. I'm, I'm fine. I yeah, can, yeah. You cool. can feel I think, free to choose. I think I prefer the aesthetics of inquiry, but that could be because I'm a fucking American corrupted piece of shit. <laughs> uh, well, an Australian, <clears throat> you mean? Yes, yes, yes. So he started up an inquiry, which is his prerogative as the chairman for the standing committee. But uh, what he's not supposed to be doing is then using that taxpayer money to fund an inquiry that's so nakedly partisan as the one that he decided to run. Yeah. So they all, set up... All, all that so blatantly uh, in, promotes a family business. Yes, yeah, that's true as well. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Wilson fucking uh, empire. Um, yeah, but essentially he created, or his team created a, or was involved in the creation of a website which was privately funded 
which uh, uses language like stop the retirement tax, which, of course, is what they've been disingenuously calling it. Yes. Yes, there is no retirement tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Important. So asking asking people to sign petitions against that, and then people would use the website to uh, find out about the public hearings uh, and sign up to attend them. They would go to the public hearings and they would be Liberal Party members handing out Liberal Party membership forms at this non-partisan inquiry public hearing stuff. And then the funniest bit is he drafted pro forma complaint forms uh, to hand out to these people so that they could just sign it and hand the forms back to him, which in effect meant that as the chairman in charge of the inquiry, he would be drafting the evidence, which he would then later have Rely to judge. On, yes. Or, yeah, use to form his <laughs> report. So this is a case, essentially, where we might say that the prosecution office mm. is also acting as the judge and defense attorney in yeah. the trial. Yeah, it's the shittest version of Judge Dredd you've ever seen. Which is, yeah, I mean, that, that that's how law was performed, not even in the Middle Ages, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking about old tribal stuff, yeah. where the, the fucking king of the village... And called himself king, even though he only owned three cows. The medicine man takes an hallucinogenic mushroom and then tries to figure out what's going on yeah, in an yeah. impartial fashion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, the Liberal Party is so bad. It's, it's amazing. They still control, like, they command the support of nearly half of the country, Kieran. Yeah, I know. It's wild. And a bunch of people are... I mean, when, when Scott... This is it's not one of our stories, but when Scott Morrison recently said that he would ignore... Uh, a bill, because this is bill f- allowing doctors <laughs> like, no, to any approve. bills that I can't read. Yeah, <laughs> there was this bill saying that uh, doctors could, through the right channels, approve the transfer of people yeah, from the doctors Madison could arrange for humans to be treated yeah. for medical yeah, concerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and Scott Morrison said that he would ignore that because it's stupid. Yeah. That's what he said. Pretty and much what he said. A distressing number of people in the public were like, "Good." <laughs> That's what I want from a prime minister. As a prim- ignoring democracy. As a proud Pentecostal. Yeah. I could only consider it my duty to mm. follow the example of Jesus when he obstructed the physician. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In the famous story. The parable. The good Samaritan who uh, euthanized the man by the roadside, yeah. kicking him to death. <laughs> Well, I guess in Scott Morrison's version of that story, the Good Samaritan would have stopped, helped the man, taken him to the village, been arrested by the police, kept in a holding cell <laughs> on the edge for being a Samaritan, and then withered away while the man that he helped uh, comes and visits him and says, no, we can't just have open borders. I can't let you in here. I appreciate that you're, <laughs> by all available evidence, a sweet-hearted person with a genuine desire for... Helping people, but unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, um, what's sauce for the goose must be sauce for the gander. Mm. And we hate all poultry. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the Liberal Party's fucking out of control with uh, the election this time. Their ads and their uh, schemes are uh, worse than I've seen them, I think. Uh, it's certainly lacking... Uh, it's, it's lacking the kind of... Uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like the enamel coating of mm. the professional political party that they used to have. Yeah. Sure. It's much more 
though you can view the working parts now. It's really weird. I don't, yeah, it's, it's nice. Gross. I like it, but it's, it's gross. Yeah. But yeah. It's, instead of cogs and wheels, it's slugs and worms, and yeah, somehow yeah. they're operating a really ill-designed dis- bio-robot thing. Yeah, the, yeah. Ooh. It's like the opening credits for a pre-cancelled 90s Nickelodeon cartoon. Yes. Dun, 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 as the camera pans across a bunch of viscera writhing <laughs> and producing these little shit creatures. <laughs> the Morrisons. Only on Nickelodeon. <laughs> little shit creatures is the best description of the Liberal Party I've heard in my entire life. It's what they are. It's the simplicity of the single ingredient. They're so pure. Yeah. Anyway, that's the story. <laughs> it's a good story. <laughs> yeah. I have... Um, oh, excuse me. I have to unlock my phone again to get my next bit of notes. Okay. Lawyer X and police informants. friend. So, we now have half a dozen defense attorneys who could be uh, open... Uh, for this. One of mm-hmm. them's dead, uh, luckily for him. Mm. Former uh, mafia consigliere and uh, murdered ice cream salesman, um, <laughs> whose name I've forgotten. <laughs> Francis uh, Italiano, uh, who had the, the hair and the face. You remember him? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was shot uh, after the police revealed to the mafia that he was, in fact, a police informant. Yeah. That turns out that's what was behind the sudden mm. $100,000 contract mm. that was placed on his life. Wild. Um, yeah, yeah. They picked up from their, from their, their, their intelligence gathering mm. that uh, certain underworld figures were discussing the possibility that there was a rat in the ranks. Yeah. I imagine this is a fairly common conversation <laughs> underworld figures yeah and uh so some detectives paid a guy a visit and were like hey 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 nobody touches shmooly <laughs> yeah. anything happens to that boy you're gonna be a suspect you understand and the mafia went oh interesting that was a strangely unprovoked warning <laughs> yeah 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 uh, why do you Antonio, why do you reckon? Uh, why do you reckon the cops would be coming around uh, talking about not whacking this guy? <laughs> right after we was talking about it in the kitchen. Yeah. From now why on, all conversations suspicious. in the toilet. <laughs> keep yeah. keep flushing it. Keep the system running. <laughs> Oh, so, that was some amazing police work from the amazing police that we have in Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have as always. So, h- half a dozen gangland lawyers means a lot of high-profile cases are going to be appealed against now. Yeah. Um, the winds are already blowing mm-hmm. in that direction. I have a f- an acquaintance, I should say, an informed source who has recently... and recently An informant, if you will. Mm. Uh, therefore, I won't name him or mm. her, who has recently uh, left the uh, OPP where they were working as a kind of contract paralegal, effectively. Yeah. Um, who said that the entire office is ripping open all of its old cardboard boxes, trying to figure out how fucked they are <laughs> and which police they want to have shot. <laughs> the yeah, most. yeah, yeah. 
So the OPP doesn't actually launch any investigations itself. They are 100% reliant yeah. on the police providing them with sound evidence, which is, I think, uh, a process that might be reviewed in yeah, the future. Yeah, maybe, possibly. <laughs> Let's find out. Um, the police should 100% have known that these sources were going to be ultimately counterproductive. And the barristers themselves should was literally their job to know that any information they gave the police was going to ultimately be counterproductive. Mm. There's a clause where if your client um, is, you know, going to actually harm somebody, Mm. you are absolutely entitled to contact the authorities about it. Yeah. But unless these lawyers were only revealing information pertinent to upcoming murders, which I feel is a very unrealistically narrow scope of reporting. Yeah. Uh, There's going to be a huge amount of legality of uh, trial to be appealed against. Yeah. Um, And Daniel Andrews is now learning perhaps why human rights aren't uh, just a dispensable luxury in the war on terror. Yes. Um, here's the thing as well. You have to respect them or it makes things more difficult, Daniel, not less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stupid bullied turtle. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, also, like, I only get my mob information from films, like all the best informed citizens uh, of this. In fairness, I'm pretty sure a lot of mafia guys also only get their mob information from films. I think that that's (laughs) essentially the instruction manual at this point. And even there they know... The lawyer knows not to fucking stay in the room when they start to talk about the upcoming murder. So the likelihood is that lawyers typically would only ever have information about prior murders. Yeah. And then kind of at least have the sense to fucking... I mean, there is a degree to which, certainly in Victoria, and I Mm. very much assume Australia at large... Uh, various attorneys general have gone out of their way to make sure this is as open and unregulated an area of the law as is possible. Sure. Uh, to give police maximum freedom to operate mm. and so on. I assume those halcyon days are going to be over. Uh, mm. I certainly hope they will be as a result of this. Yeah. Uh, and lawyers and police will be given much stricter guidelines on what is and isn't acceptable behaviour. But mm. this... If, if if you get a situation at play where yeah. the organized criminal underworld feel that they will not receive fair representation in a court of law, mm. and you have brought this situation about because of your desire to prevent black market-related violence, then you win uh, the 2019 Irony Award because... <laughs> There will be just blood. Yeah. <laughs> it will yeah, be yeah, a disaster. Yeah. And so hopefully, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is what the competence of our fucking blue suit idiot police has brought me to. Yeah. Hopefully we can reassure the organized crime cartels <laughs> of the soundness of our legal system. <laughs> because if you thought it was bad when they trusted the Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Imagine if they if we ever get into a position where they don't. Yeah, we were we were in that position and judges were getting (laughs) murdered all the time. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Well, I mean, you know, far from me for me to say you brought this on your own heads, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's incredible the short sightedness and the stupidity of Mm. um of of this 
whole this and this this essentially dirty Harry, yeah, thought process, right? The fucking uh, the self mythologizing of of everybody involved with the police and anybody fighting organized crime is pathetic and dangerous, dangerous as we're learning now yeah. it's fucking really dangerous yeah um the police so the, it, it's emerging various police throughout various stages of this investigation were mm. aware that they were walking in very weird territory yeah. um lawyer x by the way turns out to have been a police informant since the fucking mid 90s by the way yeah right so yeah. absolutely no way in at all, they did not know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Although it's possibly worse if they didn't. Mm. But, yeah, various lawyers have tried to cover their tracks by uh, maintaining minutes of everything that happened over the course of the investigation because mm-hmm. they were a bit nervous about it and they mm-hmm. didn't want to get thrown under the police bus as rogue operators once yeah. uh, this inevitably became public. So... That means that this is, these were detectives operating under pressure from the senior bureaucracy. Yeah. So another layer of people who should unequivocally have known mm-hmm. that this was a counterproductive yeah. way of behaving. And an extremely foolish precedent to be sending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much any kind of quasi-informed person off the street would have walked in and taken one look at this shit and been like, what are you doing? I don't know. I, I think you can pretty much boil this down. And I mean, this is the noughts, right? So yeah. you can really easily boil this down into Herald Sun readership versus Fairfax readership, right? <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> I think Let's do your it. average Fairfax reader would be absolutely aware that this is a terrible idea. Yeah. I'm pretty sure your average Herald Sun reader would be completely yeah. relaxed about it. Well, that's why I said because they don't. Ah, un- oh, sorry. I, yeah. I did. You did. You did qualify that. It's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, quite a low barrier, but still one that's. Anybody who's not right wing <laughs> yeah. really clued on to the fact yeah. that this system is an incredibly delicate system, yeah. which will take a long time to recover from uh, small acts of sabotage. Yeah, yeah, 100%. What a fucking uh, unsurprising but bummer. In, so we've got, we've got a really bad downside, which is we could have some of the most dangerous organized crime figures released from prison. <clears throat> um, and just in time to just wreak <laughs> their revenge. Yeah, right, actually, just in time to wreak their revenge. It's like a fucking Batman plot. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, shit, it is a bit Batman, isn't it? Mm. The Penguin becomes mayor and releases all the files on the corrupt <laughs> police yeah. that he's been conspiring with. Yeah. Uh, so that- Quick, call the winged fascist. But against that, <laughs> caped, caped fascist. Oh, sorry, you. yeah. The um, against that, we we could see some some corrupt and lazy policemen going to prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be nice. Swings and roundabouts. It's the criminals' turn to run this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it's any different. That will be involved in an interesting conversation uh, as we head down the tracks of mm. what this vague area of legal responsibility to clients is and that's yeah. going to have to be cleared up 100 if there's going to be any hope of restoring trust in the criminal justice system yeah people need to know exactly what their conversations with their legal advisors are going to constitute and what the consequences of those conversations are going to be yeah and this is a big enough fuck up that i think uh enough big truncheon dicked weirdos will be interested in yeah. reforming the system. And there's going to be more than half a dozen lawyers um, involved in this as well. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of careers in jeopardy. Yes. Great. 
and careers <laughs> and careers. I'm no longer certain. Well, what my I ideology mean, is. end careers in like three years' time, so that, that I can step into some vacant positions yeah, at the yeah, court. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to move too early because mm. then they'll be replaced before I've graduated. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Secret story. It'll be the five. it'll be it'll be the Fairfax sub editor fiasco all over again. Do you remember <laughs> when we when we graduated for our editing course? Just yeah. as Fairfax sacked like sixty <laughs> sub editors with twelve years experience each. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. It was a re- we <laughs> suffered some pretty bad timing. My undergrad and then my TAFE education. <laughs> And then every year since. Every step we take is just on another crumbling tile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the real danger of cutting arts funding. Apart from the fact that we lose our culture and our soul as a people. It just means fucking impossible to get a job in the arts. But that's all right. That's all right. The arts are one of the most uh, productive uses of... Yeah, or the economically productive uses of federal funding. But that's okay. We don't oh, no. yeah, worry yeah. about return on investment yeah. or anything that would be insane put it into a put it into cops put it into a task force oh another task force designed to crack down on money being uh recklessly circulated through the economy via centrelink i set up a quango to catch the cop who bribed the lawyer to catch the crook <laughs> I don't but then know why. <laughs> he swallowed that fly <laughs> Yeah, fucking hell. An uh, interdepartmental committee to supervise the Quango. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time with this shit. <laughs> I mean, as Sir Humphrey would say, it's very productive. <laughs> well, well, is that it? That's our... Uh... That's that's stories. Now it's time yeah. for topics. Topics. Or do you have a story? No. No, you oh. went first. Oh, I do. Oh, no. no, you do. Wait. Yes, I do have a story. Oh, calm down, listeners. Uh, no, I don't. I've got my topic. Oh, Jesus Christ. We fucking suck at this. Uh, but, Cut know. to topics. Jesus. It's a first, Darcy. I'm following through on a promise on this show. I said <laughs> last week that I wanted to talk about global poverty numbers. And uh, we're going to talk about global We're going to talk about global poverty numbers. Oh, how exciting. I also promised a Louis C.K. watch to our listeners, but it's in this kind of middle state where he's doing stuff. He's doing the shows in Tampa, but all the juiciest details haven't come out yet. Because so they're secret we'll... shows, aren't they? Yeah, they're secret shows. But maybe we'll check in next week when a few more of those shows have happened and we can get some more reportage. Reportage as we watch him schmuck shuffle over to the alt-right. Yes. To be yeah. the new lumbering Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, yeah. Milo Jerkophilus. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Low hanging fruit there. Uh, so basically, in in the wake of uh, Davos, which happened recently, the big fucking grotesque billionaires conference where everybody gets off and... I mean, <laughs> uh, Freudian there gets up and jerks each other off is what I wanted to say. Uh, that's the connection to Louis C.K. Uh, about sort of neoliberal technocratic solutions to all of the world's problems. Yeah. You might remember that uh, it attracted some controversy for the extremely uh, mild thing of one, I think, Danish, maybe? There was a very polite young man from the Netherlands, and there was also an MIT professor who had a similar um, 
rebuke. The MIT guy was actually at the Michael Dell. He, right. he hit it back in Dell's face on the yes, day. Yes. And the Dutch lad followed up with a more general taxes thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes. And, uh, and also that uh, woman who said that it's about the dignity of people and not just about how productive you can make them. So well, what would she know? She's actually from Africa. Yeah, yeah. So those three people kicked up a bit of a stir, but basically uh, Bill Gates, I mean, Dell had his piece to say uh, he's more nakedly a piece of shit, I think, than Bill Gates. But Bill Gates loves to trot out this graph uh, or series of <laughs> Bill graphs. Gates loves us to forget how evil he was in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So good on you, Bill Gates, for doing a bunch of malaria research, but he also is guilty of through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, thinking that uh, the philanthropy of... the relative philanthropy of billionaires, it must be said, Mm. the uh, five bucks that you guys kicked to that Free the People campaign is probably... Proportionately more, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but anyway, they they do a lot of... They give a lot of money to, to addressing poverty, which... Not as much as is stolen from developing countries in the form of it, tax dodging and yeah, yeah, yeah. resource of course. exploitation. We can, I think but, anybody can take a yeah. look at the world and, <laughs> and see that it's not working, but perhaps his I want to be one of these, like, numbers nerds. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if you're a numbers nerd, uh, hold on to your seat of your pants. The seat of your <laughs> pants. Uh, anyway, uh, so Bill Gates loves <clears> to trot out these graphs. He says this is one of my favorite infographics and trots out the graphs, which were put together by Max Rosa uh, a little while ago uh, for a group called Our World in Data or a project called Our World in Data. And the graph suggests that since 1820, uh, global poverty has fallen from 92% to around 10%, which is a pretty good result. Yeah, especially with the exponentially increasing population. Yeah, yeah. What a fucking... What a uh, what a triumph! Do you mean for we've, capitalism? We've got socialism all wrong here, and is it not necessary after all? Yeah, socialism may be actually the end of the world. That these pig ignorant people have just <laughs> miraculously—they've stumbled onto that correct uh, opinion. I wonder. I wonder what they could mean by poverty. Well, let's dig in. <laughs> uh, so Jason Hickel wrote this article for The Guardian uh, basically saying, I forget exactly what the title was, but it was something akin to Bill Gates doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And uh, he points out a few things. He... True. <laughs> uh, a few things. Firstly, that real data has only been collected on global poverty from 1981 and everything further back than that is either fragmentary or projected. Yeah. Uh, and that such data that they do have, uh, on say developing nations, particularly ones that had a part of the various colonial empires. Yeah. Uh, the data that they have from them pre-colonialization, you obviously can't plug. Well, there were a lot of census figures taken. Well, there weren't a lot of census figures taken, but even in the cases where there are figures, you can't plug non-capitalist, uh, numbers into a capitalist system and be like, they were surviving on less. Therefore, they're doing better now that they're surviving on slightly more, even though maybe they had more shit for free in yeah. old communities and stuff. Like, if the system isn't the same, then it's they difficult can't talk to, to each other statistically. apples to oranges, basically. You need to have a much more comprehensive analysis uh, there. So, a dollar a day was basically the old uh, 
gold standard for extreme poverty globally. Now it sits at a dollar ninety. Right. Uh, but uh, Hickel points out that pretty much every expert in the field generally advocates for a, a higher uh, number than that. Most people, yeah, like one for, that means you're out of poverty, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that for would example. be handy. Uh, most people uh-huh. peg it at somewhere between seven and up to sort of ten, fifteen dollars, depending on really still in poverty. This is a classic yeah. case of economists doing that thing I think we talked about last week, where they just redefine. Yeah, words. they redefine words exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <Arsehole>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, his his point is that we should listen listen to people like Lant Pritchett. Uh, who is an economist, but seems to be slightly better economist, who basically says that this idea of measuring poverty by fucking an arbitrarily placed number, which is designed to cover the entire globe, is fucking buck wild. Yeah, it takes no accounting of local circumstances whatsoever. Yeah, so Lamp Pritchard is a, a Harvard-educated economist, so he should be a monster, but has seemed mm. to come out of it with an Richard, okay... Richard D. Wolfe went to Yale, I think. So yeah, that's true. There's always Some slip through. Some slip through. Uh, so for the Centre for Global Development, this is like three paragraphs, but I, I think it's better just to read it in a block, because... His, I'm not going to be able to fucking summarize this argument better than he's already done. So here we go. The dollar a day standard never had, nor was ever meant to have, any rationale or credibility as a standard for who was not poor. If poverty is regarded as an unacceptable deprivation in human well-being, then there were billions of people who were above the dollar a day poverty line, but were poor by many legitimate definitions and standards of poverty. What is unacceptable deprivation is scaled by norms of what is possible and hence country poverty lines increase as average country income increases. This is also reflected in other approaches to poverty like multidimensional poverty and in participatory approaches to poverty. I don't understand any of this shit, neither of which produce anything like a dollar a day as the univocal or consensus definition of poverty. Here we go uh, a bit more. The conceptual weakness of the low bar poverty lines like dollar a day and its twice as large sibling $2 a day is revealed in the ridiculousness of dividing the global population into poor, middle class and rich and referring to people just above $2 a day as middle class. A low bar poverty line necessarily treats both people just above the poverty line and people in considerable comfort and prosperity as not poor and hence necessarily creates false equivalences in which those just above and just below a poverty line were considered to be different, one poor and one not poor, but two people above the poverty line with very different incomes were treated the same, both not poor. Uh, uh, Yeah, he then goes on to say that the end result of this is that uh, countries like Indonesia, for example, can get fucked over by... uh, development agendas which only address extreme poverty because according to this fucking wildly arbitrary definition 90 percent of their people are not poor yeah but of course by any sort of reasonable uh the man on the clapham omnibus would say no these people are obviously fucking poor yeah Yeah, (laughs) they can't even afford a ticket on the clapham omnibus (laughs) i'm pretty poor and i can still afford that (laughs) yeah but it is outright and then he i have to drive a a reliant robin my life's humiliating yeah yeah, so, I mean, that seems pretty fucking common sense to me, the, these analyses of these arbitrary things, which then get fed into these infographics, which dipshits regurgitate on the internet and say, ah, there's only 10% of people in poverty, never mind what I see every day with my own eyes in global affairs. That's assuming that they look at global affairs at all, which is pretty yeah. fucking presumptuous of me there. Well, I mean, so the paragraph 
where you skipped over because of the technical language mm. barrier. I'll very quickly summarise. He's basically talking about the income gap within countries mm. and about the variability between country wealth. For instance, nobody in Australia lives in poverty, according to the definition. Yeah, of yeah. That's yeah. pretty much what he's getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. So, returning to Hickel for a second, there's two other things that he says, well, I guess three other things that he says that I want to get out there. Uh, he says that if you adjust and say $7.40 for example, as a conservative new uh, poverty line, then proportionately poverty has stayed at around 60% uh, between the start of recording comprehensive data in 1981 and now. Uh, and then obviously that means that in real terms, it's increased dramatically. And, mm. and we've got now got something like four point something billion people uh, under that definition of poverty, which is a... Intuitively, that feels like a more accurate number. Yeah, yeah. and that... that that poverty line is a number which is it's way killed. closer to the br ballpark that kind of <clears throat> economists who look at global poverty would suggest uh, if you have to have a blanket one. But yeah. Of course, Pritchett has explained why that's a uh, stupid pointless. idea. And, uh, of course, the other thing that he points out is that fucking China is the most successful example of dragging people out of poverty in terms of real numbers, and that doesn't participate at all in the sort of neoliberal technocratic no, private philanthropy run a kind that, of weird state capitalism model. Yeah. yeah. It's not quite what we would like uh, as well, no, socialists. Well, no, because it's like a fascist but, corporate system. But. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it's definitely not it's what very Bill Gates is Yeah, it's uh, definitely not liberal. I think yeah. we can all agree that. It's, it's not... <laughs> it's the yeah. wrong side of not liberal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're on the other point of a triangle, I guess, is how we're going to conceptualize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty it. I like it uh, as an article, the Hickel article, partly because it's a Marxist reading. He, yeah. He says that instead of conceiving of it as raising people out of extreme poverty, we should conceive of it as forcing people or coercing people into a sort of global proletarianism. Mm. That only about 5% of new wealth created goes to the bottom 60%. I mean, the the idea of a developing global proletariat is kind of a cause, a small a cause for optimism, mm. if if that's what he is meaning. Yeah, well, it's, that's a foundational principle of like yeah. internationalism, right? Indeed, so, it is. So if we can kind of harness that way of talking about things a little bit more, yeah, that would be pretty good. Ironically, uh, we'll have to keep the internet away from the Chinese Communist Party, but yes, yes. that would be handy. So as a very brief primer to our listeners, that's one, admittedly, one person citing another person. Uh, one erased that, through take on... Yeah. On Davos why global... flawed underpinning, yeah. isn't it? And and how to respond to people asserting that uh, in the capitalist age, post-industrial revolution, we've slowly been fixing the problem of global poverty, which of course is not true. It's been no. stagnant. Most, and this uh, is, I think, equivocation, which is essentially mm. a bait and switch trick, mm. where, yeah, the uh, proponents of neoliberalism uh, are slowly, from the beginning to the end of a conversation, have changed the definition of what poverty means mm. from, which they don't ever state at any point. No. But they, they know that when they say poverty, you are assuming that the word 
is being used in its conventional sense. Mm. And over the course of their conversation, they will slowly begin to reiterate the technical and, if I may say, untrue <laughs> definition of what poverty means. Yeah. Um, the economist's definition. Yeah, the economist's definition, or the weasel's definition of economy. Yeah, which of, means... Of, <laughs> of, sorry, the weasel's definition poverty. of poverty. That yeah. was that was a slip. <laughs> um, yeah. Which means, yeah, sorghum farmers living on 50 cents a day, drinking typhoid water. And yeah. And and somehow a beggar on Collins Street who yeah. earns $3 is a part of the global yeah. middle class. It is essentially going up to homeless people in any developed country and spitting in their face and saying, people are starving in Africa. Man, people earning thousands of dollars are impoverished in mm. parts of the world. Yeah, like our part. Because costs of living bonkers. are obviously oh, sorry. drastically yeah, different. That's right. There's different fucking ceilings and floors in every single yeah. country. Yeah. I'm a professional economist. Because of the crazy fucking uh, economic shell game, which operates specifically off exploiting these people. Like, it's not a coincidence. So much. It's not a coincidence that the cost of living is <laughs> like it is in the developed countries versus the developing ones. But, um... What I found really depressing looking at this was I read the comments, which mm. I know you're not supposed to do, but The Guardian usually at least has a bit of back and forth. Yeah, there's often some in well-informed people. Cause there's usually yeah. better informed people amongst the commentariat than the actual initial journalist on The mm. Guardian. Mm. Often, often the case. And that was a, the case with a couple of people in the comments, but by and large, everybody was just ignoring it and being like, but... Life expectancy is better, and infant mortality is down, and essentially doing what that journalist that you brought in that talked about capitalism's identity crisis was yeah. guilty of doing, which is conflating capitalism as an economic system with technological and medical process. Yeah, both of us say inevitable from the moment the steam engine became a yeah an enshrined part of our lives. Yeah. Which, like, yeah, that was partly capitalist, was also partly mercantilist. There was a lot going on with the steam engine. Yeah. And it plunged the uh, fucking British Isles, as, as I believe you <laughs> said, into a terrible pit of poverty where yeah. people would fucking... That's right. Yeah, there was a, there was a very fucking uh, sharp decline in living yeah. standards and life expectancies for a bit there until... Yeah. Until we got things like until some socialist policies <laughs> were fucking enacted. Yeah, that's right. That's the that is the trend. Every fucking point in history where things got better for as people. recently as the interwar generation. Mm. You know, there, there there are people, although a few of them left now, mm. but people alive in the United Kingdom today in their advanced years who are amazed that their children and grandchildren are undoing the social building that they that their generation put in. Yeah. You know, people who had siblings die of pneumonia on yeah. straw cots At next the to cause them. Of such, uh, yeah, caused by such trauma. That, yeah. What's the fucking dude, Harry... Uh, his, Harry something's last stand was like the book that he did, uh, a British dude. So glad you asked, Kieran. That's uh, Harry Leslie Smith, and it's just called Harry's Last Stand is the book. Uh, good man. Who grew oh, up in I poverty. I read this one. I think he died, like, very recently, like a couple of months I ago. I think I know who you're talking about. Strong I didn't know he'd written a book, though. So he might, maybe not. But this that. was, this is about, um, 
his experience growing up in the at the turn of the 20th century yeah as somebody his mother and father both worked so it's mm. not they they were not like you know the undeserving poor yeah 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 um they were the deserving so much better to be the deserving poor mm. and yeah they essentially had a had a slum flat that they lived in that was damp and mm. there was no educational opportunities available because mm-hmm. it wasn't deemed that an educated workforce was yet necessary yeah and there were no health care provisions because you didn't have the resources to see a doctor that was not the concern of her majesty's government sir yeah of course so it was just a matter of course that everybody you knew as an adult had had a sibling die when they were fucking 10 or 12 or something of some horrible fucking thing called something like i don't know goff's consumption where it make turns all of your body tissue into poo or yeah <laughs> this horrible fucking <laughs> which they gave a weirdly adorable east end's name <laughs> yeah yeah like oh yeah he's got the browns <laughs> yeah <laughs> stupid bastard's got the browns well he'll be sh- pissing shit in no time yeah uh yeah and it was of course as you say the, the advent of the national health service and the minimum wage that mm caused a sizable chunk of the British working class to rise out of poverty. Yeah. And many of the great hallmarks of, like... And the beginnings of the comprehensive school system. Yeah, yeah. Many of the things that we consider to be hallmarks of what makes this country so, in scare quotes, great. Uh, Again, we get it all later, but... Terrifyingly new innovations. Really super new. Except for the eight-day work... Eight-hour eight working eight. week. That was one of ours. Eight-hour eight working day. Yes, uh, that was one of ours. But yeah, stuff like Medicare and shit, which already they're trying to pull apart. Uh, although they'll never admit to it, which makes me feel sometimes like I'm crazy. But I know, I know, given half the chance they would. Uh, yeah, that's that's the story. Don't let anybody ever fucking tell you that global poverty is somehow getting better there was a little ill-advised bit in that article where he kind of talks about the the glorious days of the subsistence farmer where they had access to commons oh yeah like the noble savage existence of i don't peasants i don't think that that's how he meant it but it's (laughs) close enough to how it came off that's all that fucking 80 percent of the people in that comment section could fucking focus on. they had a very shit time i mean i think in the early episodes we were discussing different political definitions we Mm. conceded that liberalism is a huge improvement over feudalism and one of the things that uh liberalism has achieved has definitely been the fact that you were no longer forced to be a subsistence farmer yeah if you you know i mean in much of the world people still are but there are fewer people living like relatively fewer people are subsistence farmers under liberalism than there were under feudalism and to be fair, I think his only point was but, when he was talking about the inappropriateness of comparing data because when maybe you had less access to pi- private resources, but maybe the village. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's true. Looked out for each other a bit more. It that, was just it was just some some shonky writing. That at least some, is uh, true. I mean, there was a edit. there was a greater wealth gap between workers today and the executives who own their firms. Mm. Uh, and the shareholders who own their firms, then um, then there was between a feudal peasant and his serfs, and that which is a terrifying thing to contemplate. Yeah, even if that's only because the feudal lord didn't yeah. have much in terms of real assets by modern thinking. Yeah, 
Well, the, the reason that this whole fucking discussion came about at Davos was because of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez suggesting the 70% tax rate for the That's right. over $10 million. Uh, dollars and the people that go to bat firstly the ceo earns like 300 times what they're 200 somewhere between 200 and 300 times what their worker owns so that's that's fucked but in in the similar vein a, a similar vein talking about scale a 10 million dollar income a threshold so you have to you you don't even have to suffer the terrible acts of cortez before you, you earn know, you ten million that. and one dollars. Ten yeah. million, which is like, well, the ten million twenty is... times what somebody will earn in their working life on an average salary yeah. of fifty thousand dollars. So, uh, uh, up the, and remember, the ten millionth dollar is not hit at yeah. the seventy percent threshold. It's the ten million and first, first dollar. Who the mm. hell is this? You need to get that. I don't know. I don't recognize the number. Do you think I should? Do you want to have the conversation on the podcast? No, it's too late. They've hung up. Damn. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Half past um, four seems like a weird time to phone somebody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're 100% right. 10 million in first dollar. So they can earn in one year 20 times what you will earn in your entire life. And then only then the next dollar they earn yeah, it, and is hit with that 70% tax The obscenity rate. of it was beautifully illustrated in the UK by the 4th of January. Mm. Um, the wealthiest executives and CEOs in the UK had already earned more money than their average worker would over the course of the year by the fourth yeah. of January. Yeah, what a surprise! These it, people are fucking like it's, it's so it's, wildly out of proportion. It's mind bending when you because of the way the human brain works. It's so much more appalling when you frame it in practical terms rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. as as exponentials and multipliers. Yeah, yeah, but. If, I mean, it's because of the absolute ridiculousness of the scale. I suspect that people struggle to these dipshits who are like, I'm going to be a 10 millionaire one day. <laughs> so they're like, oh, sweat off their brow. They work 250 times harder than the average machinist. So they should <laughs> earn 200 to 300 times what that person earns. It's fucking dumb. It's dumb. And I hate those people. <laughs> But we have to deal with them. So the January 4th uh, example is a, a poignant one and maybe an effective tool. We've got to find real-world examples whenever we can. Mm. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has achieved what she has so far. It's actually pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive, is it not? And despite being unfortunately silent on Venezuela for the moment, which I think mm. I know why she is... Um, mm. I've, you know, I've I've been my 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 pessimism has has not been rewarded so far. She's yeah doing yeah. okay. She is doing okay. Um, and I think yeah, it's difficult to if you if you're trying to like advance socialism in America, mm. you want to kind of keep quiet about Venezuela for a bunch of reasons. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a reason that she's focusing primarily on domestic issues. Yeah, and, and she is. A young congressperson. She and, is, and but and even stuff. if she was right, she, if you get out and tell the truth about Venezuela, which is one of the reasons their economy is fucked, is because we don't let them trade with anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it still should be done. It'll it's still but, her responsibility. But I can understand why she's not doing it, and yeah. I honestly, I, I don't mind her picking the battles that she can win. Yeah, yeah, because she's winning some battles. She's winning some battles. Yeah, some more, uh, some more Dems announced. Stacey, uh, Stacey Abrams. Uh, Amy Klobuchar 
I don't know who Amy Klobuchar is. Gellibrand, yeah, not. I mean, they're all excited they're about. all not going to get. I think Stacey Abrams might be the best of them, but I don't know. Her well, she's the most prominent. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like they're all still fairly crap. The selection, yeah. And there's a bunch of people I've never heard of, like Jim Bumblebum <laughs> from fucking Ohio. Is John Delaney announced like a year and a half ago? I've never heard of the man. And he's had a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I, I, Bernie still hasn't announced. Be really good if somebody fucking got ring mm. on. Doesn't have to be Bernie. There's there's a bunch of people who would be, I mean, acceptable. Yeah, yeah, options. yeah. It has to be like there's, there's, Bernie, Barbara Lee, or Nina Turner. Those are the ones that like I would a, accept. Like a hundred and twenty million adult humans in that fucking country. There's got. To- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about people who have uh, managed Come to on. get through the gate. <laughs> Like, people are like, oh, Bernie's too old. But the reason he's the only Doesn't acceptable... Doesn't make any sense. The reason he's the only acceptable candidate is because he's too old. He remembers he got, how much old. work had to be done to achieve what had been achieved. Well, I mean, just literally... So he's far. literally been grandfathered in... That's ...from true. a time when the system was less resistant to this sort of... That's true, but he does politics. also remember, literally, the yeah. um, working class struggles that yeah. achieved what little was achieved in America. He remembers. Yeah, yeah. He was there. He was there at, and At the time of forging. Yeah. Yeah. He's the perfect person in that respect to do it. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's neither here nor there, but just... Uh Either. But but he didn't thank Nancy Pelosi for defeating Trump's mm. federal wage embargo, so he's a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare, and he- how dare he only acknowledge the workers that starved for a month <laughs> and not the wealthiest, most powerful woman after the Queen of England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, uh, ah. he did his traditional response to the State of the Union that he's been doing for the last three years. And... Uh, just before Stacey Abrams won, which was disrespectful. He's trying to silence black women. Uh, that was a Yeah, thing the racism thing's not going away, is it? Yeah. It's the weirdest. Yeah. Like, um, so, you know, the, but the Democrats have managed to completely single-handedly destroy the old, well, there's no smoke without fire kind of line. They've, they've revealed so many times yeah. that they are nothing but a fucking dry ice machine. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. Uh, There's been so much fireless smoke around Bernie Sanders and his supporters. Well, they've invented vapes in the last five years, so I guess that must account for it. I guess it must. Uh, Let's uh, let's move on to your topic. We can do more US topic. Yeah, speaking of misogyny. All right, so uh, my topic I'm going to get to in just a second, but I have a brief Mm. news update, which is. But uh, da, 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 six hours ago, the Montague Street Bridge yes. uh, smashed the shit out of yet another vehicle. Oh. Uh, this time, a detached motorhome. Detached motorhome. Fuck. Yeah. Um, there's like a bunch of signs and gantries that you have to go to, including the bridge itself, which has a bright red, low clearance, three meters yeah. painted on it. And uh, yeah, it's only been three weeks since... Uh, a professional truck driver smashed through it. So professional truck drivers are always doing this shit. I, there's, there's what I thought were like warning stripes painted along the bridge, but I'm starting to think they might be um, tomahawk notches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Well, there you go, listener. There's our live traffic update. <laughs> That's our live traffic. Up- so yeah, maybe <laughs> two a- days ago, from six hours ago, Kieran. 
No, from when they listen to it. Oh, right. Yeah, good point. Oh, yeah. You, uh, so, Ale- <laughs> Alexandra Parade is, is fine to drive along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as should- far as we know, it's <laughs> in the future for us, so probably check the news. <laughs> Just splattered with Domino's delivery drivers like mosquitoes on the windscreen. <laughs> uh, the actual headline. Start Topic. Topic. Topic, topic. Yes. Right. So- there is a devastating cost to taking the razor to masculinity. I'm sure you know what this is about already. Uh, yes. This is from the spectator.com.au, but you can also find it independently on the author's own website if you don't want to uh, mm. increase the increase the traffic of the of the sort of corduroy Nazis. You what, can what visit is it with conservative <laughs> pundits and co-publishing their shit on some piece of crap website that they've knocked together. It's like a picture of them drawn by a professional fucking caricaturist. They love that shit. I think it's actually, it's a photo of Warwick Marsh taken by his wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Where his, uh, his the bi- gun that he's pointing at her to keep them married is just out of frame. <laughs> Manages to reference Jesus in his bio. Uh, <laughs> but he actually, so I feel, I feel slightly bad about ripping into Warwick Marsh, though, because he seems like actually just a sweet and very misguided person, right. which makes him an anomaly for the spectator. Okay. Because they are normally, as I said, corduroy fascists. So but let's hear what this sweet Warwick and Marsh good-natured person has, person has so to say about... Has to say in a very timely fashion about, about the Gillette. Gillette bandwagon of last month. Or the sort of Gillette jumping onto the Me Too bandwagon of last month. Yes. Uh, it's now going to be open season for all corporate virtue signalers. I've got some sympathy for people who hate... Uh, yeah. observing the hypocrisy of these disgusting multinationals pretending they give a shit. I'm yeah, me say. too, <laughs> but like, also, by the same token, what pure water are we trying to prevent from being despoiled here? <laughs> well, <laughs> advertising. Wait, so I'm gonna. there's a long bit at the start, which yeah. is kind of unnecessary, but I'm going to go into it because he's given it weight himself. Okay. Uh, I have a lot of sympathy for hashtag me too, because one in four women and one in six men have been sexually assaulted. Mm. From my counselling experience, those figures are understated. It happens a lot more than people realise. It almost happened to me. Hmm. And then he goes on to discuss how, as a young, uh, naive uh, child with a... uh, Growing up without a father, mm-hmm. he uh, was very nearly successfully preyed upon by an older man with a fishing cabin who had managed to take advantage of several, it turned out, um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of mid-early adolescent boys over the years uh, mm. who he'd offered fishing trips to. This was, of course, in a, a decade, I mean, in the 70s or 80s, where it was... The, the thought of going with just some guy to fish for the weekend yeah. was less weird than it would be now. Yeah, yeah. 100%. From um, the Albert Fish times. <laughs> well, he was earlier than that, obviously, but that kind But of- it was from the paedophile golden age, yeah, yeah the yeah. 70s and 80s. 100%. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's, there's a bit where he's setting up the fact that the absence of fathers in the lives of young people uh, makes them more prone to sexual assault. Okay. Um, which is an up to 500 to 600% increase in uh, girls and families where the adult male is not the natural father, funnily enough. Mm. Um, I don't have any verification for his statistics. Yes. I want to put that out there. Yes. Um 
but he is an, an acknowledger of the amount of sexual violence that goes on in society. He puts mm-hmm. uh, this down to the emotional trauma suffered by young people who, for various reasons, are rendered fatherless. Okay. Now, so that there's, one... There's an implicit anti-LGBTQI there's single a, parent Yeah, yeah. There's there. a conservative bent to this, right? And, again... But at least he's not saying that, A, women deserve to be sexually assaulted, or, B, only men no, get sexually assaulted. No, he like manages and, to yeah. have a morally correct view That's- of sexual assault. <laughs> Oh, fuck, that's refreshing. It's like a breath of alpine air. Yeah, and I tell you what, I had to fucking go through the spectator with a goddamn code. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Oh, fuck, maybe I can begin to believe in bipartisanship again. No, but I'll hear him out. I'll hear his terrible take. One would Gillette. think, with a background like mine, I would be a great supporter of the Gillette's advert. Mm-hmm. Of, of Gillette's advert, or of the Gillette advert. The two-minute video exposing toxic, toxic masculinity and fighting against sexual abuse on behalf of the hashtag MeToo movement, unfortunately, threw the baby out with the bathwater. Ah. You see, there is no such thing as toxic masculinity, ah. just as there is no such thing as toxic femininity. Yes. But what we do have is bad behaviour by both men and women who display their lack of morals for all to see. As Bettina Arndt has said wisely, no gender has a monopoly on vice. Great. That quote clears it up, then. The Gillette ad, because of its inherent flaws, created a firestorm of controversy. And at the time of writing, this ad is sitting on over 28 million views. Mm. Many men... Many men are have called out the inherent misandry in the video because, by implication, all men are sexual abusers of women and violent bullies and must be reformed. That's not true. Yeah, I think that's what the ad that was saying. Not, it was no, just it's not. <laughs> it was just down yes. with the sickness by disturbed <laughs> no, over a series of videos of men behaving badly. One absolutely <laughs> no. It's almost the opposite of the implication of the video, right? Which yes. is that. The implication of the video is that men as a gender are being yeah. let down by some bad actors who they need to yeah. spend greater attention hauling into line, essentially. Yeah. Right. What a but one of the things bad reading. It's a terrible reading, but it's a but this is the thing, is like this is also the best conservative reading of yeah. it. This is the le- this is the most in grounded, rational, and it's still bonkers. Yeah. But it's the most well intentioned and least least, uh, twisted way of looking at it. Masculinity and femininity are amoral, but men and women are not. In fact, they are both susceptible to immorality. Mm. It is this immoral behaviour which will damage other men and women, boys Mm. and girls. No shit. Like <laughs> the infer- instead of advocating for more moral behaviour on the part of all human beings, Gillette has joined the radical feminist Puritans who believe mm. that ma- these are these are like, like the, the African, radical feminist like the African gangs. Gillette. There are like sixteen of these yeah. people on the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that no one listens to. Yeah. Um, the radical feminist Puritans who believe that masculinity is toxic and we would be better off without masculine men. The inference is, if only we could make men more like women. Yes. So fucking stupid, right? Firstly, masculinity... Yes, that's the inference of the ad. <laughs> toxic masculinity is not the same as masculinity. 
as yeah, a concept. Yeah, it's not clear. I'll, I'll grant you from a lot of um, gender theorists, it's not super clear what they actually mean by masculinity and femininity. Mm. Though they are very good at reading what they mean by the toxic derivatives of both. Mm. I am somewhat of the opinion that as social constructs, it's very difficult to set any kind of concrete uh, peg on what masculine and feminine is yeah. beyond like rudimentary biological operation, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say toxic masculinity as an academic term is a quite... That's a, but that's an established... A, ref- a refined, established term that has is. a clear purpose as a conceptual device. Uh, obviously, nobody who freaks out about it understands that it's not saying masculinity is toxic. <laughs> what was that thing those but- firefighters had on their, the door of the house fires are toxic, our masculinity isn't. And then all the rubes were like retweeting it like yeah, yeah. you call them out yeah. i'd like to see a radical feminist academic save someone from a fire <laughs> like a firefighter's not simultaneously yeah. capable of being a radical feminist yeah <laughs> and like the implication there isn't i'd like to see a firefighter do a reading of gender ah pr- oh, shit fuck that's exactly what we've just lionized yeah um so there's a, there's a couple of points that I, firstly, one of the things I found really funny with yeah. guys doing the Gillette backlash yeah. was that uh, Gillette is one of the companies that has made the masculinity that you believe is an innate uh, state of being. Yeah. They yeah. are one of the chief fabricators of the concept that yeah. you think is an authentic representation of who you are. Yeah. And they've and and, and they have they have done it in order to if you want to boycott them boycott them because they make shitty disposable plastic razors that are environmentally extremely fucking irresponsible and use components uh, cultivated from the work of child slave laborers in the developing world. Sure, you know that's a (laughs) that's a good reason to boycott Gillette. It's a pretty good reason, not because they're pretending to give a shit about women. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they yeah. are literally you are you are screaming and hollering in defense of a sense of self that they have made for you. Yeah, yeah. It when is... you talk about positive masculinity, you are literally talking about the toxic concept of masculinity that they invented to turn you into a pay pig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking idiots. None of them <laughs> the... I mean, part of the problem is that it's such an effective product that they'll fight tooth and nail to resist that uh, realisation. Because, you know, to these men, their masculinity is very important. It means that they're providers. A lot of them are not providers. <laughs> it means that they're strong. A lot of them aren't, no, aren't strong. strong. It means that they're, they're so gentlemen. strong and rugged that they need an aloe vera strip on their razor blade to save their precious skin from the yeah. soft aluminium scrapers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it means that they're gentlemen and they only call women prudish whores when they don't uh, have sex with radical them. feminists or yeah. a radical feminist. Yeah, which is a woman who won't have sex with them. Yeah. Uh, or at least a woman who's been tricked by radical feminists into not having sex with them. So all women apart from their disabled sisters. Yeah. Yeah, essentially so. Awesome. Uh, yeah, like, th- they need this concept to, uh, like, fake a sense of self-worth within themselves. So, like, it's pretty... 
I'll grant you the irony of it, but it's also grimly predictable. How yeah, this oh, it's pretty out. predictable. It's a, and it's it's just it's really funny. Yeah, my oh, paternal grandfather was as close as you can get to a living embodiment of that 1950s yeah. um, working class hero, man's man. You know, he was a shop steward at the abattoir where he was also a slaughterman. Mm. He was a bare fist fighter extraordinaire. Yeah. He could drink the bar dry yep. and not be arrested by the police after he made their car crash on his way home because <laughs> they were so frightened of him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he slept with half the women in the district mm. just to provoke fights with their husbands and to prove that he was better. And then he was the most miserable fucking person on the planet. <laughs> Every day was hell for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Every no day kidding. was hell until he uh, gave up on the ridiculous He-Man nonsense and started being a uh, being kind to people mm. which tragically he he only managed to do for six months before he died in a duck shooting accident which may possibly have been some sort of lawyer x please type. don't spring the <laughs> tragic deaths of your family members on me out of the blue like that if you're going to describe it as a tragic duck shooting accident because i can't help but parse that as a joke and <laughs> I, mean- I had a very confused moment well, what is Tiny Cat doing out there? I don't know if you can hear this. Trying to open the front door. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I know it was a bit odd, wasn't it? I thought somebody was trying to force a window or something. Tiny uh, Cat is uh, much stronger than a cat of his size ought to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Basil's not that strong. He's big and muscular. Uh, Basil is weak and foolish. Yeah, which is why we love him so much. Wow. <laughs> so you are so amused by him might be a better way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So he your was, grandfather. He was fucking miserable. And he mm. was the, the, the apogee of this culture. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this idea of what masculinity was. Mm. And it was pretty much because he was one of the most profoundly unhappy men on the planet. Mm. He was a borderline narcissistic sociopath. Yeah. Um, until he started to work his way out of it. And yeah, then. Something happened to him. Mysterious circumstances. Yes. But yeah, it's a bull it's a completely bullshit culture. The only people who think it's good are people who are so fucking traumatized and indoctrinated that they mm. don't have the psychological wherewithal to reject it. Or people who are so unworldly and mm. sheltered that they still live in a, a, a kind of uh mental framework of romanticizing abstract ideals yeah 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 uh it's a terrible way to live i mean the dark irony is that like in this particular moment on the internet a lot of the (laughs) tiny cat Uh, in this current moment, <laughs> Sorry, we couldn't, on the we internet, couldn't continue. <laughs> Jesus, this fucking animal. He's good. Uh, here he is. Um, Do you want to say something to the faithful tiny cat? Did you forget that we were in here? We were talking at regular volume. I think he may have thought he was alone in the house and panicked. Jesus, tiny cat. <laughs> he probably went out there, heard our voices... M- <laughs> incorrectly identified it as being outside the front door and was like, I want to come out. 
there was a sort of desperation to his behaviour that seems to have subsided now that he realises where we are. Yeah, that's he usually does that if people are out on the front and (laughs) won't let him out. Get it together, man. Uh, in this spectator journalist, you. I keep trying to get back to the point. Little uh, right-wing contributor cat. He totally is. Uh, in the current moment, on the internet, these young men that are super pro-masculinity, the sad irony there is that they're not at all masculine. Yeah. They're like direct... Part no, of- not in that kind of... That, that, that uh, rolled-up sleeves bar fight kind of way. No, not at all. Yeah. Part of what... M- you could argue is a problem with the term toxic masculinity is this like really uh, disgusting thing that progressive people might have to do, which is recognize that these fuckwits are the people that we have to convince to change the culture. And, you know, you can do that in a few ways. You can just kind of propagate our ideas of a, of a more uh, sensitive masculinity and hope that the other one chokes and dies out. But in terms of counter-recruiting, these are the idiots that we have to deal with. And they latch onto masculinity because they're often sort of socially disenfranchised and not doing that well, right? Yeah. So, which is like the hard task. And I'm not going to fucking advocate for anybody doing that unless they really want to, to be sensitive and empathetic to these fucking curs. <laughs> they are curs. And I, I ran into one the other night, Bridie O'Reilly's. Mm. The governor and I were having a an after-work drink to celebrate my uh, acceptance by the university. Mm. And uh, half past something o'clock in the morning, this weird, like, kid from Birmingham showed up Mm. with his mates. And he was like a a hairless squirrel. Yeah. Trying to rub his hazelnuts up the boss's thigh for a a good hour and a half. (laughs) Uh, An hour and a half. It felt like an hour. It was probably 20 minutes. Yeah. um, Before she finally lost her patience. (laughs) <laughs> told him to fuck off. Mm. Um, but yeah, this uh, this this strange toxic masculine title of this of this runty like stunted malformed child mm. who felt that he had a, a man's role to play meant that he would not go away yeah. until I t- until I figured out a sidestep maneuver, mm. which was literally like okay, it's 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 impending violence time if you don't fucking go. So I decided to cast aspersions on the governor's attractiveness yeah, and tell the kid that I thought she looked like a man in a wig and that he was a queer. And that was the only way he'd fucked off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was not proud of, although she thought it was very funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I didn't... On on the level, I reinforced his disgusting notions about what the world yeah, but was it's, like. It's, but on another level, it was either that or I thumped him. Like it was. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it's better. Maybe. No, because then one of the bouncers would have thrown me out. Yeah, yeah, and that meant we wouldn't have finished our drinks. Which priorities, been Kieran? Priorities. The we true, paid for those drinks. The true crime, for sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you have to. So maybe the term. Toxic masculinity, it's fine in an academic context, but it's clearly not getting through to these rubes. So what's the alternative, though? Because toxic masculinity is the concept. I mean, framing it as bondage, I think. I mean, Uh, you can... Or, like, having a separate parallel concept, which can be kind of trotted out as the the sugar pill for this medicine, which is to emphasise again how this toxic construct of what men are supposed to do uh, actually holds you back as a person. It does. I mean, it certainly 
Warwick uh, Marsh appears to have the foundations of an intelligent person in his brain. Mm. But his uh, his worldview has been incredibly stunted by the idea that masculinity and femininity are kind of concrete and important concepts. Yeah. I wonder if we couldn't learn something from the early free thinkers who began to pry the claws of the church away mm. from everyday life. Yeah. It might be worth investigating how the nascent secularist movement of Europe in the 18th century yeah. begun to challenge people's perceptions about the ubiquitous no- nature of Christianity, for instance. I mean, that's not a terrible idea. It sounds like a lot of boring reading work. It would be. But oh, well, we've got this enormous edifice to shift, which yeah. is more enormous and older than Christianity. This is an yeah. edifice that goes oh, yeah. all the way back to <coughs> the pastoralist days, if not before then even. you know, yeah. It could... If, if, if we emerged as conscious beings in a great ape society where there were... Mm. You know, a small number of breeding males and a large community of females, like the chimps and gorillas have. Yeah. Then this could be a concept that has been baked into us from consciousness, really. Yeah. So there's a lots a big rollback. That is a big rollback. Which looked at in some ways, we've come quite far since the fifties, I guess. But we have. It's we're at this problem of forever being perpetually new at it, though, right? Like every sub-generation of men uh, has this thing that they go through where they try to be better and you think about like the sensitive new age man idea from a little the while ago. The snags from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are now all fucking vile, hateful boobs. Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure it'll happen to us. Our relative, what feels like a relatively progressive position now, I'm sure will be uh, crusty and outdated. Well, in yeah, years. because we have to- our position, we are still at a stage where we're mm. working under the assumption that there is a fundamentally important set of principles called masculinity and femininity. Yeah, yeah. And well, that, I mean, yeah, I and, think a lot of us understand that intellectually that we view that them not... as being, even even with advanced gender theory, it's like, oh, there's mm. a spectrum where you've got masculine at one end and feminine at the other and a kind of slidey yeah. scale that mm. moves between them. But even that's a really simplistic and stupid way of looking at it. They're not necessarily oppositional spectrum points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff. Maybe there's now. no linear way of expressing it. What a terrifying concept. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff now. Between around, imaginary point uh, A and imaginary point B. A lot, a lot of the stuff around now, around uh, non-binary identities, is kind of trying not to view it as a as a spectrum thing. And a bunch of people are like, uh, enthusiastically and intelligently participating in that. Oh, I'm not saying that... Um that work, the innovative work isn't being done. But yeah, yeah, but I see. It's I see, about I see. it's about where it's filtering to and, and yeah. what it's reaching. Because like that article by uh, Warwick Marsh fundamentally didn't mean anything. Yeah, there was a big setup about how he understood about sexual assault, which I believe I'm going to take that in good faith. Yeah, but then it just because he nearly got touched up by a sea person, meaninglessly went into well, and he's worked as a counselor. Yeah. Right? Um, which means he's, he's handled people who suffered at the actual act, as yeah. it were. Also very off-colour joke. I'm not necessarily very <coughs> proud of that one. You can't trust the sea people. 
It's a joke about sea people, not about I'm victims. One hundred percent. I apologize. Completely certain that we have been more offensive accidentally in the past. I know we have. And I tell you what, I the, dropped a clangor a little while ago that I haven't acknowledged, the, but it the, makes never me cringe. Ign- to no, think of. never acknowledge. I it, never Kieran. will. We just we just move forward. <laughs> and if anybody tries to we learn from Louis, if C. anybody K. tries to help us with our perspective problems, we mm. do denigrate them on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the second that Louis C.K. admitted that he'd done something wrong, that he lost $35 billion and yeah. had to, was f- f- driven to the to rural the act outskirts of Shanghai. And, yeah. Speaking of toxic masculinity and admitting yeah. to fault, what do you think about old Neeson, old Liam Neeson? I don't know if I want to get into Neeson, because that's <laughs> a fucking cesspit of a debate online. It is, isn't it? It's fucking unquestionably, obviously, fucking super vile what he did. I don't know if he's contrite enough at this point, but I am also worried by one small part of the community. I think it's fine for people to be like Liam Neeson. I don't give a fuck if he makes movies anymore. Yeah. I think it's fine for people to think that he should still be having some contrition for it. But there is a small slice of people who I don't want to give the lesson to racists that now that you've been racist, there's no way to get better. Yeah, like, I, I'm very. I was very uh, surprised by the number of people mm. amongst uh, people I know mm. as well who I consider to be uh, reasonably enlightened thinkers mm. who are like, no, no, the lowest point in someone's life is where we judge them forever. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think you even need to be like, oh, go easy on Liam. Like, who gives a fuck about Liam Neeson? He doesn't no, care. No, I mean he's completely fine. He's but, an incredibly rich, powerful person. Yeah, but we should be able to have a more, uh, but it would mature be nice. discussion. I think about where we set our lines of redemption. Because if we set them as like, if you were once racist in your head, you know, you're racist forever. forever yeah, then that's pretty bleak for our prospects of rehabilitating some of the people that we need to rehabilitate. That's right. I mean, I, and, and, and I have harbored as a bartender, mm. some uh, incredibly ugly thoughts about uh, Scottish and Irish people. Is this your Liam Neeson moment? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I distinctly remember. He's just offering it Fantasizing up. about punching it. Well, it was a particular sure. Scottish person though. Yeah. But there have been moments where I fucking hope. I mean, that yeah, yeah, yeah. We so all have fucking sick of Irish We all have violent people. Thoughts. It's, oh, no, <laughs> it's definitely. I didn't wander around with a cosh in my pocket, yeah, looking hoping for to an Irish fight. person that I could maim or kill. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people have done worse and gotten away with less, and it's just this. I don't know. I feel I like it was it's a pretty particular... obvious from the conversation that he had or what was quoted from the conversation mm. that he had that he was in no way endorsing that line yeah, of thing or behaving it was 100%. part of a broader um, meditation on the, the dangerous and stupid uh, impulse for revenge yeah in order to sell tickets for the movie Revenge. Yeah, totally. Which is but the, the other aspect uh, of the but, thing. Yeah, but okay. But I it mean, doesn't make the know, sentiment any less. I, I, I don't real. think James Mason was like massively pro pedophilia or Nazis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. I get it. It's just the context makes it that extra yeah, little bit no. funny if you enjoy the absurdity of modern morality. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. I wish you hadn't brought it up. Uh, Thank but, you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who knows what with Liam, with old Liam. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I stand there. I mean, I haven't been interested in his films for a very long time. I I, th- I think he yeah, I, lost I, interest in what he was doing after his wife died. 
Interesting. I didn't know about that uh, dividing point. Uh, yeah, everything but... post-wife death is pretty crap. Yeah. But I mean, much yeah. more lucrative than what he was doing before wife death. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he has nobody left to impress. Um, well, he does now. <laughs> yeah, fuck. You better get on another Oscar track. I mean, that'll be how this He's going to play... Um, He's, he's try and top Ray Fiend's performance in Schindler's List too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gassy Boogaloo. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, not inaccurate. If you were going to title a movie in the most gauche way possible. <laughs> sure. Schindler's um, List 2 could actually be a very relevant film soon if we don't watch out. Yeah, yeah. If it's like... <laughs> Uh, Rhett Schindler. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar Schindler's <laughs> great grandson. Schindler's List, colon, home front. Yeah. The streets of Los Angeles. And the list will be like something that Snowden's dug up from some deep fucking service somewhere <laughs> of agents in the field. I don't know. Just thinking. Mission Impossible crossover. Ooh. There's always a list of agents in those movies. Uh, yeah, cool. Let's bring this train into the station. I mean, op- Opera Winfrey is okay with him, so that that's that, a, that, that should set... She's, she's, she's had pretty consistently fine opinions of late. <laughs> fuck. Um, I don't know, as a celebrity, why you would fucking weigh in on the Liam Neeson thing. I don't know why... one of the yeah. most violent flashpoints I think I've seen in recent memory. But, uh... Oh, look, I think some people are genuinely just, just, just prepared to say things in defense of people they consider friends without. Yeah. I think it's, I, I think it's totally okay to condemn Liam Neeson. And if you were one of his mates, he was like, no, what Liam did in the past was disgusting and he's an mm. idiot for admitting it. <laughs> yeah. But I still like the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will generally, generally give close friends a pass. I think they should stop commenting. <laughs> I think they should just not talk to the press. But yeah, well, I mean, he's played that side of it pretty well so far. Yeah, old, old, uh, old Gillette fiasco, Neeson. Did Gillette and Guillotine share the same etymological root? I do not actually know what the etymological root of Gillette is. It's a name, I, right? It's a name. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with Guillotine. I, um, I mean, appropriate on two levels: one because of the blades of the razor, and one because yeah, of the- yeah. It's part in the... I was thinking about that. I think definitely, though, it is uh, it is, it is time to boycott Gillette just because of their manufacturing principles mm. and, and environmental Yeah, they're, they're a shitty company. So buy, buy, I have a, a stainless steel safety razor from... Been actually, a, a legacy from steel. my very miserable, uh, toxically masculine grandfather. It's a ah. fucking brilliant razor. It's yeah. it's steel. It takes recyclable steel, replaceable blades. Yeah. There is no plastic or child abuse involved in its uh, yeah use. Yeah, they're good. They're good. The old heavy razors. Yeah, uh, I agree. But uh, you will need to get used to using a heavy head razor if, if you're used to feeble mm. plastic wimps razors that mm. girly companies like Gillette yeah. make. It's not that much of an adjustment. I've used those at work. Oh, it's not a huge adjustment. It's more difficult on the neck. Mm. You're more likely to nick your neck. Sure. Well, this has been Razor Review Corner with <laughs> Kieran and Darcy. <clears throat> uh, obviously, where I consider myself to be an idiot, and uh, I don't know how Darcy self-identifies in that regard, but if you disagree with us on any of these issues, you can email us at 
weakness for bleakness at gmail.com all one word no tricks uh if you agree with us you can email us it's just don't feel don't fume and and call us pricks and then uh and then not say anything you can enter into dialogue with us we can all grow as a people do my emotional labor for me uh <laughs> and then the burden is on you, yeah. Is on you. <laughs> yeah yeah completely obliged to fix us as men we do f- need to find ways to talk to men but it's hard i only ever wanted to play video games darcy that's not a bad way to talk to men yeah and uh gives me a nice note to end the show on mm. so there was a bit on the BBC recently about uh-huh. a young man called uh, Mats who mm-hmm. died a couple of years ago in Norway. Did you read this? No, Mats. Mats. He was Norwegian. He Mat was a plural. he had muscular dystrophy. It's a very sad story. It's a very mm. poignant story, but it has a sweet ending of, of a kind. Mm. Um, so his parents believed that he was isolated and lonely and miserable. Yeah, and they couldn't do anything to help him or reach him. Mm. And upon his death, they discovered that he was beloved across Europe. Um, huh by uh, a group of uh, uh, weird people on a little thing called World of Warcraft, ah, where World he was Warcraft. famous nice. for his humanity and uh, charity and uh, moral uplift he gave to people around him, none of whom yeah. knew that he was uh, suffering a debilitating uh, illness until one of his clan group, who was a, I love this, like a retired neurosurgeon from England in the yeah. mid-60s, um, put little pieces together and said, Mats, I know what's going on. You need to give your parents some kind of way to access the community and let us know when you you know, go, because we're all going to miss you enormously. Mm. So he gave his parents the password to his blog, and when he died, his dad dutifully did an update. And uh, then all these, there were all these uh, scrappy-looking young people at the funeral who his parents did not recognize, mm. um, so went over to and said, do we fucking know you? And they said, yes, one of, we're, we're his clan, and one of us would like to speak if that would be okay. So they said, sure. And uh, this guy made a beautiful speech about candles being lit across Europe, hmm. from classrooms in Dublin to hospital wards in Spain and mm. mechanics garages in the Ukraine, as mm. this kind of mad community of gamers came together. Cool. It was lovely. That's very sweet. Uh, very sweet. It's and so close to such a different story if the game had just been slightly different. Yeah. Like, oh, he was uh, an Overwatch player and one of the <laughs> most notorious racists in the continent. <laughs> uh, but we yeah, have yeah. brought a collection of tea bags from across Europe. <laughs> yeah. To commemorate old bagger, old bagger, as we called him. Uh, yeah. No, that is sweet. Hey. The redemptive power of social activities. Well, there was just a nice bit, because this is a generation gap as well Mm. amongst parents, where the mother and father cautioned parents against policing their children's online activities too heavily, because they felt really guilty retrospectively that they'd uh, thwarted his attempts to spend time with his community out of what they thought were concerns for his health. Yeah, yeah. A good lesson and a delicate balance, because... (laughs) Uh, I don't know how you grapple with the internet these days as a as a child. I, you just have it was to. Pretty as, monstrous when we were kids. It I guess. was pretty monstrous, but it was also like there was so little content available compared to now, and yeah. it was so much less believable because it was so shoddily constructed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, I 
parents just need to learn to trust their children and and encourage trust from their children, essentially, to build a more collaborative model of living. There you have it. Expert parental consultant Darcy Moran signing off. No, I I agree with you. But I also don't know a fucking thing about parenting. We don't know anything about anything we talk about, Kira. That's true. (laughs) I forget that sometimes. We just know more than the people we're making fun of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. Probably less than the people who listen, but (laughs) more than the targets. I'm starting to seriously pick up on the fact that we know less than the people who listen, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for listening then, you big-brained motherfuckers. Uh, yes, it's a it's a it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. You can follow us on Twitter at Week for Bleak. Uh, thanks still and again to Leonardo's Robot for the use of our uh, ending theme song, which I guess I'll play in full first time and then cut down to my snippet. Yeah, subsequent why not? episodes. I think we should we'd treat the boy to some exposure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, cool. Enjoy the bleakness until next weakness. Until very good, very good. Uh, That's all.